Okay. So we have a few questions that we're going to be talking through today. Um, we're going to start with the topic of stigma. Now, this is the stigma around mental health. So what stereotypes you feel come with it, whether there's a kind of unspoken rule that maybe you're not allowed to talk about it. Um, there's certain stigmas in terms of your gender, whether you can talk about mental health. There's certain stigmas around just not talking in general. Um, so my question is, is there a stigma? Pretty simple, yes or no. There are buttons on the side. I just want to know first off. So can you either click yes or no? There is literally physical, like, ticking across um, whether you think there is a stigma around mental health. Um, so I think that's everybody put in a thumbs up. So second question that I'm going to do like that and then we're going to discuss this in detail. So the second question is, is this stigma set by yourself or others? Okay, so say yes or a thumbs up if it is set by yourself and where's the reactions and say no or a, a clap in hands if um, you think it is set by other people. So if you say yes, you tell yourself not to, not to maybe speak up or... Can we say both? You can say both, you're more than welcome to say both. Okay. Okay, we've got a lot of flashing ones. Perfect, just what I like to see. Um, okay, so let's discuss those a little bit. So around is there a stigma? How is there a stigma? What is the stigma? How do you see it? Um, anybody want to start us off? Uh, Nia? I found quite difficult coming into secondary school was mental health wasn't it wasn't spread awareness because it was oh yes sevens or whatever or eight-year-olds are like oh yeah diagnosing it for like attention like self-diagnosing it and I feel like that's something that is very much an issue but rather than educating everyone was just like negative and those that kind of not self-diagnose themselves but kind of recognize it in themselves didn't get the help and there's always that stigma for that like age group of oh yeah it's not like they don't have anything to worry about like oh they're fine because they're so young whereas in a lot of cases especially like coming towards the end of primary school people were actually like dealing with stuff but it wasn't being recognized definitely um libby um yeah i agree with nia but also i think that if you're the first person that you know of in your family or something to go through something like depression or anxiety or any other mental health condition it can be quite difficult because you almost feel like you're a let down why can't you be like everybody else even though it's nothing that you can control and not knowing anyone that's gone through it to kind of normalize it um to you it can be it can be quite difficult and kind of in that way you can set the stigma for yourself definitely um i, I like what you said about normalizing it it isn't very normalized in, in most people's kind of family situations or even friendship groups sometimes um anybody else have anything they'd like to pick up on 
in terms of normalizing and kind of the stigma around it. No, that's fine. We can move on and we can come back to it if you, if you do have a suggestion at any point. Um, just come back to it. Um, so is the stigma set by yourself or by others? Who said what? Um, I'm going to go through people and see what you said and then you can also pick up on the last one if you didn't say anything. Um, so Lily Rose? Um, well, I said both. Because I think when you like think about it, it's like almost an unspoken rule that you like don't say anything. And then it's also like everybody else is kind of, I don't know how to explain it. Like if everyone's saying that they have it because it becomes like a trend to say you have like mental health things and it gets like overlooked if you actually do. Yeah, definitely. So you feel like you can't speak about it, not only because you there's a stigma about you can't talk about it but also because too many people talk about it as well mm. right um hannah i think it's both because it's like they're saying this time you, you just watch people turn into this person where they have all these issues and then you start questioning yourself and then you start thinking if this is me and then it kind of turns into a thing where you can't put sort of more on yourself to be that way or to have that idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, Libby? Yeah, I definitely think it's both. Um, it's also about the people you surround yourself with, your family and your school, um, like your education, because you yourself might feel embarrassed to talk about it because you don't want to seem, I don't know, needy or an attention seeker even though it's really troubling you even if they're your best friend you don't want to put a downer on the situation but also some people where some people have been claiming to have mental health issues for attention it kind of makes you feel less less valid like everyone's everyone's got it and then those people might not get a positive reaction from people and receive help and you think oh I'm just going to be laughed at so it's kind of a, who you're surrounded by as well as yourself no, I definitely understand that. I think there's a confusion when it comes to attention. And I think it's the easy option just to say you're searching for attention. I'm sorry about the background noise. Um, it's the easy conclusion to jump to and it, it means you don't have to actually face up to, you know, somebody else having, having something up. Um, Lily, what do you think? I, I would definitely say both because one of my friends has anxiety and he is always he doesn't want to say anything about it because he's like oh what would they think if I said something about it or I don't know what my parents would think if I said that I wanted help I wanted to get through it so he's in class sometimes he's always like nervous if we have like substitute teachers uh, he'll sometimes have like panic attacks when everyone's just there's just so much noise and no one's actually like calm mm -hmm. so no it's definitely a hard a school especially it's very hard to speak up about things because I think you guys go to big schools as well so it makes it difficult to kind of be able to spread the the well meet all the needs of every single student and it can lose a lot of people that actually need those needs met because you know the loud ones that will say something 
will get the help first, which is sometimes not the people that need it. Um, Aidan, how do you feel about um, whether the stigma is set by yourself or others? Well, I think it depends on your personal experience with it, to be honest. Like, if you never really knew what it was all about, or your friend, it was just someone who was yabbering on how they were depressed, I mean, they weren't really, you could think that it's all overrated and it's not really an issue. But if you've met friends and who have sincere problems like depression or anxiety, then you know about it more and you tend to talk about it more as well because you want to make your voice heard. Definitely, definitely. And Nia? I think that it's kind of created everywhere. Like, I feel like for some people, yeah, they do. I feel like we all have that one thing surrounded about mental health that we all kind of like hold ourselves up to like this standard, whether you've got mental health problems or not. Um, but then at the same time, like society kind of creates that like, there's still in 2020 the stigma that men can't cry or men can't have doubts, men can't be upset and all of this. And it's just heartbreaking because we all have feelings, whether you're a boy, girl, whatever you associate yourself with. And the stigma that is just there has been created by society but also has been engrossed into society, into like people. So then if you tend to take what society said and taking it too far or taking it and set a standard up to yourself, then I think it's both and it's both combined. Yeah, definitely. Um, Libby, your point? Also, I think that the medical community have quite a big role in the stigma because it's how we've been taught to define illness. We do it as like sickness or pain or like a physical symptom like a broken arm that you can see on an x-ray. And yes, you can see mental health symptoms on an x-ray, like people with depression have different brain chemical structure and stuff. But because it's not something that's easily visible as like a broken arm or a bruise, it sometimes gets overlooked as not an illness because there's no, sometimes there's no obvious sign. So you kind of think that I, oh, I'm just not normal, I guess. Exactly. And I think that puts a, a, a feeling in some people that there is no end because you can't get a diagnosis and you can't get it all straightforwardly done. And it, it, it gets you stuck in your ways a little bit. Um, has anybody else got anything to point out about the stigmas around things? Anything about stigma around mental health? No? Perfect. Um, so my next question is, how often do you see discrimination around you? Now, I'm just going to go through people. I'll let you think about it for a little bit. Um, so how often do you see discrimination around you? Quite a difficult one, but um, does anybody want to start us off? Uh, Libby? Um, I say quite a lot, especially in schools. Um, I say schools are trying to try to say that they're not discriminative, but all the uniform rules are towards girls. 
Um, so their skirts are constantly checked, um, etc., which could lead to mental health issues if you're constantly worrying about your appearance. Um, but also sometimes you see it in the older generation. Um, I visited Parliament and all of the men were talking and everyone was paying attention and nodding along like they had something very important to say. And then a woman stood up and started to speak and every single one of them went on their phone. And that's just not okay. Um, yeah, and also with like the Black Lives Matter movement happening recently, I think that's bringing light a lot of to a lot of discrimination um, between races, and I think discrimination is quite a big topic in the media right now too. Definitely, it is coming out a lot more, and people are speaking up a lot about it at the minute. Um, yeah, and I see, I do see some positive changes coming as well, um, which is good. Nia, post lockdown every single day. Um, in schools like aside aside from uniforms which are just I'm not even gonna talk about it um but the kind of attitude that teachers have you're the child you listen to what i say and of I don't, I don't care what you think and i feel like if that's the opinion that they've been raised on yeah they could learn but i feel like that's not really especially their fault but it's just every single day and I think some of the opinions that young people have are a lot more mature than what adults have and again with like the gender stereotypes especially in schools in the curriculum girls don't do rugby and boys don't do dance or gymnastics and I don't think that's fair and especially with the new dance, um, the option to do dancing when you take your GCSE choices, there was one boy that did dance and that was because he, all the others were scared of being picked on, even though I knew that some did want to do it. And there's kind of, again, that stigma there that schools don't shy away from. And I feel like they have the capability to enforce the boundary of gender stereotypes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you're talking a lot about in school and I suppose that's because it's where you'd see it so often. Um, I remember being in my school, so I was from a different area to everybody else. And I'm from a lot lower background to a lot of the people I went to school with. And I got a lot of comments day in, day out. So yeah, definitely. And I know that's different to a lot of the serious ones and it, it wasn't racism and it wasn't, you know, sexism or homophobia, but it was, you know, discriminating against myself due to issues that I can't control. Um, Libby? Yeah, just on that, um, I was a people premium student because my family are low income and like substitute teachers had the fact that I was people premium on the seating plan. Why do they need to know what income I am to teach me a lesson? It just doesn't make sense. It's almost as if, oh, she's poor, she's going to act up. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, we've got to watch out for that one. She's from a poor family. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. Why do they need to know that? It should be a confidential information. That they shouldn't be giving it out to just anybody. Yeah, definitely. Hannah? Um... A school is a big thing around it because like even from like, the littlest 
uh, like the, the littlest action that somebody makes, whether it be a comment or like sort of moving you, it's still it's still there. And even if it doesn't affect you, it happens. Like it's not anything to do with racism, homophobia, and that. But even from like hair colours to I don't know, like what what religion you're from. I know for a fact that to me it seems like different hair colours can get treated differently. And there's a little bit more of a thing around if, if you're the general brown haired or blonde haired, you get not more attention, but you, to me, it seems like you get a bit more, like a different reaction to me, like, and then I see, and then I know that like from things like you get different comments depending on your hair colour and it can oh, make you feel really bad or you can just get on with it. 100%. So I just want to know like, what kinds of discrimination do you see most commonly? And is any more prominent at the minute due to COVID? So I know one thing that I've noticed is that um, young people in schools, they won't have access to technology. So they're being left out. And, you know, on, you know, people might judge their backgrounds and none of us will obviously, but you know, people will possibly do that in schools if you're, from a certain place. Anybody got any comments? Nia? Um, so when I was younger, I used to have like, I was hard of hearing, so I had hearing aids. Um, and every single day, I was part of a um, group of children who had extra needs. So in my eyes, hearing aids are the same as a pair of glasses. It's the same. It's one of your five senses that you don't have. Um, and I did have the support. So in when I was in that primary school, I was always grouped as a child with extra needs. Now that I'm out of primary school and I'm in secondary school and I don't have those aids anymore, um, I am now top set for everything. I'm not put in any other disability group or any kind of um, extra need group and just because I had those physical like support I was then completely sheltered from any potential and that really got me down like I was always putting myself down because I was put with this group of extra um like learning support and there's nothing wrong with that but it shielded any of their potential also and that I think it got all of us down quite frankly and there was and we have the same potential as anybody else because now like not to blow my own trumpet but now that I don't I'm not classed as having like a disability or anything I'm people look at me the a different way and I feel like that is something that I think our generation has the power to change especially but I think it's something that needs changing very soon as like disabilities especially after Covid I feel like disabilities shouldn't be looked like that Um, yeah, 100%. 100% agree. And sometimes, so they were trying to be accommodating, but really just 
overdoing it to a whole nother level. Um, and just not understanding. I think that's a huge thing is that people don't understand. And I think people will be prejudiced and discriminate until they understand properly or really research into things and understand. Um, Libby. Um, also with people that are exempt from wearing masks, maybe because they've got sensory issues to do with autism or any other, anything, any other reason. Um, they can't, they're not always clear to people. So you often see if someone's not wearing a mask in the supermarket, they're getting a lot of dirty looks because they're like, you're putting me in danger. But, which I understand, if, but I feel like people need to be a lot more accepting. Um, I only learned about the sunflower, sunflower lanyard like a few weeks ago, and I think that should just be taught in school. Um, but yeah, I just think that due to COVID, everyone's kind of like, well, if you're not wearing a mask, then you're not being a like a great human being but some people genuinely can't do it it's too overstimulating for them and i don't think that they deserve all of the bad rap that they're getting because it's not their fault at all definitely i think it's a huge thing about again they're not understanding and not researching into things and not being educated on that um can cause people to make assumptions very quickly um, Aidan, you have your hand up. Uh, yeah, on Libby's point about masks, while I agree that there um, are people that can't wear them, and that's perfectly fine, it is made more difficult because there are people who should be wearing them who don't. Particularly, like, so like in grocery stores, you have people not wearing their masks or wearing them incorrectly because they think that they don't work or that they're bad for you, which kind of, I think, is really hard on the other people who do need to don't don't do need to not wear the masks if you know what I mean because it gives them a bad name almost instantly 100% I think people take advantage of certain things it's like people that use um disabled toilets and they don't they don't have a disability and then somebody may use it that does need to use it but doesn't look like they do um has anybody else got any more points on those topics no perfect um okay so how do these things so stigma and discrimination you can talk about either how do these affect mental health so how do they affect somebody's mental well-being by there being a stigma around mental health which i think is you know it obviously would affect your mental health but also the discrimination whether you're affected or not how would that affect your mental health um lily m we haven't heard from you in a little while well i feel like people people are really judgmental and it can make me feel sometimes a little bit guilty because like i'm like i live near them or like i'm friends with them or i'm not friends with them just anyone it's mm -hmm. it's just really heartbreaking to see right yeah um Libby? Um, so I think the stigma comes along with the discrimination. If there's a stigma about um, mental health, then it almost gives people a reason to discriminate because there's a different, that people will identify the difference. Um, like uh, someone I know was told if their mental health got too bad, go to A&E and instead of saying you're having um, 
a mental a bad mental health episode say you're having chest pains because then you're going to get seen and that's mm-hmm. just not okay like to have to disguise your illness as another one just to get medical attention i just don't think that's right um so there's that stigma about mental health maybe isn't as serious as physical health even though they can come to the same consequences suicide is still death because like i don't know it just seems a bit odd that they're um that some people class mental health as less than a physical illness 100 percent, and i think that's even shown in the amount of funding that's in both of you know so obviously the nhs physical wards and A&E do have a lot of funding, which is understandable. I'm never going to argue against that. However, a lot less funding is being put into mental health services and people are on waiting lists for years. Like, um, so I don't mind saying about this, but I was on mental health waiting list for two and a half years before I got seen by CAMH. And that was in my transition from children's services to adult services. And I, because I was transitioning, I was meant to go straight through and it just never happened. And I think the amount of funding that is put into them is awful. They can't physically do anything, which is understandable. And they do the best that they can with what they've got, but it, it isn't enough. And it isn't enough to see people in a, a really useful amount of time and, you know, a way that it's going to be best you um, I've messed up my words I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of but it's not going to be um as effective as as it needs to be see Libby Libby knows what I'm thinking it's not going to be as effective as it needs to be um Nia do you still have your hand um I like what you said with the mental health waiting list I think that in they I saw an article somewhere where women are higher up on the waiting list than what men are and if um, a well, a man a boy applies for um cams or whatever it is through the nhs they are automatically lower down on the waiting list than any females um whether that's true or not i read it somewhere but i just think that that just blows my mind because I feel like any child or young person whatever they associate themselves as they have just as much right to help as each other and it it doesn't apparently it doesn't even matter like how unless they're like causing harm to themselves they are automatically lower down on the waiting list and uh, it just blows me away because I just think any young person should have access to help. 110%. Um, and alongside that, the suicide rate rates for men are a lot higher than women's anyway. Um, so that's, again, an inequality and a discrimination just solely because of how they you know how they identify and they don't get the help that they need and it clearly shows in the suicide rates which is despicable really um libby you have your hand up yeah also um this might be a little bit of an older topic but with postpartum depression 
men can also suffer from something very very similar I don't know if it's called the same name and it's just not talked about also with women it's not very talked about and it's still it's still seen as like oh she must be a bad mum and obviously teenagers can get pregnant and stuff and teenagers are one of the higher risks for postpartum depression because obviously like they'll be cut off from their friends and things like that and I think I think it needs to be more normalised with men and women because it's such a big thing that quite a few people get and you know to just like think everything should be happy because it's supposed to be one of the most happiest times of your life and then to just feel like everything is awful I just I just think it needs more um, light in the media and more help for people 100% because I know people that do have postpartum depression and and they are seen as bad parents because they're like, well, your kids are clearly not the most important thing to you. And, and that's not the case at all. Um, it's solely that they are so, especially if they have postpartum anxiety, they are so scared of something happening to this precious thing um, that that is why they their mental health slips, not because of any inconsistencies in their par parenting skills at all. Um, so I think that again needs to be normalized and the stigma around that needs to definitely be taken away because many people are, you know, think that they can't talk about it because this is meant to be the happiest moments of their life and they're, they're not feeling how they're meant to be feeling. Um, okay, I have one more question, um, which is, what would you do to change these? So if you had all the money and all the power in the world, you were, you were Boris Johnson for a day, okay? What would you do to improve or change these stigmas and these, this discrimination that we see? We're first gonna talk about what Boris would do or what we'd do as Boris. Um, then we're going to quickly just talk about what we physically could do. So, for example, 2020 as an organisation, what, what could we possibly do to help around this? Um, so first, what, would, what could we do as Boris? Anybody? Uh, who haven't we heard from? Hannah? Um, if I was Boris and I was looking at this issue, I would just start trying to put a bit more light on, like, like normalising it and do i don't know some really dramatic speech saying how this needs to change and i'd start a campaign to change it mm -hmm. yeah definitely um because they did that britain get talking didn't they on itv and that seemed to already you know it had a little bit of a difference i think um lily rose um yeah, I'd also say about normalising it, but I think in a particular way, because I know in like lots of TV shows and like movies and stuff, it's in a very like gruesome way, kind of. It's like the really, really bad thing of mental health instead of how there's lots of people that have it and it's not as bad as that, but it's still bad. Does that make sense? Instead of making it like that, but do it. In 100%. So making it, again, normalising it, but normalising the, the common factors of it as well. Definitely. Uh, Libby? Um, a, ca a campaign. They did an anti-smoking campaign. They've done campaigns that are like, learn how to cross the road, all very, very important. 
so why can't we do one for signs of mental health? You've got one for stroke. If you see these signs, then you need to call an ambulance. Why not if you see these signs, you need to seek medical attention? Because mental health is still quite a big killer or it's just no one should have to suffer in silence. And most people have access to even the media or the television or leaflets at the doctor's office. And yeah, I just think it'd be a very easy and accessible way for people. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, Lily M, what would you do as Boris? I feel like um, I would have like sessions almost to educate people on it because like teachers at school, they don't really know what to do about people who do have mental health issues. Um, so I'd definitely start a campaign about it as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, now what could 2020 do? What could I pilot which helps tackle discrimination and stigma? What could I do to, to help that? Or what could 2020 do to help that? Libby? Um, some theatre and education days. I think like they're interesting to watch. Um, you could have people, you could have like almost like a series. You could have like different or even like an unnamed mental health condition and like they could pick between like options whether they get help whether they talk to a person and kind of like play it out um because it's almost like they're in that situation and they have to make the choices for themselves and then give out some like candy leaflets and information to like the teachers and to the children themselves and maybe even to parents yeah that sounds really cool and actually so one of the projects is origi was originally just TIE, which is, if anybody doesn't know, theatre and education, so acting whilst also educating. So going into schools and doing some things is one of my favourite things to do. And we've done uh, quite a few of them and we love them. Um, Aidan? Maybe you could do like a, a video series or something, campaigning about it via yeah. media or... If mm -hmm. you advertise it properly, then it could work. Yeah, definitely. I think what you're kind of, what you're both saying is educating and normalizing and I think they're two key words which I picked up today which is really really cool but does anybody else have any other points to pick up on um to do with stig stigma discrimination and how that affects general people people in general no perfect well thank you very much let me